It is great to have my friend Simon Breaker here. Um, Simon and I, and quite a few of us like Chris and others, all kind of grew up in the same ministry with Colin Urquhart and we've all gone on to various exploits in different places around the world and, and had fun and um, Simon and I have really connected in the last few years and we're involved in some kind of national prophetic stuff together and things like that. Um, but he's great. I warn you, he's cheeky. Can we cope with cheeky this morning? Yeah, we like slightly mischievous. That's okay in this house, Simon. Uh, so we trust you, whether you teach all morning, prophesy, or just pray for everything that moves. We really don't care. Just you feel free to follow God. Come on, let's welcome Simon. Go for it, mate. We love you. Bless you, buddy. Well, it is a joy to be with you on a Sunday. As Jared said, I've been with, um, with, the, church, with the leaders a couple of times. I'm actually deeply touched, even as I'm starting today, I, I don't know whether you know how loving your pastor is. Because he actually sent me three text messages this morning asking me if I'd slept well. <laughs> you ever had that? You send like one message and it sends 26 messages. And then it kind of sends one of them in the middle of a conversation. So the answer that they get back makes no sense in response to the question they ask. Probably one of the best. We've got a mutual friend, friends, Brian and Judith Spence. And Judith is, um, was one of our trustees in our ministry. And I needed to speak to her. So I was in the car. I used... Um, voice recognition. This is a few years ago. How many of you know that can get you in trouble? Yeah. So I'm in the car, we're driving along and I say, hey Siri, tech... It's turned off. <laughs> text Judith Spence and it comes up and I go, hey Judith, are you free for a sec? I didn't understand the answer until I stopped the car and, re and actually read what I'd sent. Because what it said was this, I am, but not with you. <laughs> There's some people in the room are still going, but what was in the text? I'll let you work it out. I'll let you work it out. Um, a, an explanation of the shirt is relevant. Um, I am not in the school of thought. If you are in this world, God bless you, but I've not been in this place where when I go to my wardrobe, I pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to wear today? <laughs> if that's where you're at, that's fine. But that's not been my experience until two weeks ago. And I walked to my wardrobe. Was it, two? Just, it was at the point we were being forecast that we were all about to die again. You know, we've had this prolonged pandemic of, you're going to die. Aliens have landed, you're going to die. It's going to be hot, you're going to die. It's going to rain, you're going to die. It's going to be sunny, you're going to die. It's, it, you're going to get a virus, you're going to die. If you don't get the virus, you'll die from the, from the vaccine. And by the time you're done, it's just like, we're going to die. We're going to die because of our car. We're going to die because we don't have a car. We're going to die because we have an electric car, because that's destroying the rainforest, which means we're going to die. You're going to die because you're eating food that's had additives in it, which means you're going to die. Don't eat meat because you'll die. Do eat meat because if you don't eat meat, you'll die because you won't get the vitamins, then you'll die. And you're like, in the end, you're like, okay, listen, we're all going to die one day. But for goodness sake, let's live first. 
And the Lord just said this to me. He says, I want you to go to your wardrobe and I want you to find the shirt that says, no, I will not be intimidated and fearful. And that's what came out of my wardrobe. So, <laughs> And I walked down the stairs and my wife, being the loving, supporting woman that she is, looked at me and went, oh no. Because <laughs> the truth of it is the shirt was bought as a joke. But don't you feel like is it just me? Don't you feel like there's, there's something really valuable to just right now just go, No! Am I the only one that feels like that? I mean, no! When I first got born again, and I went to the bookshop, there was a series of books on the bookshelf, because it was a bookshop. That's what you find in bookshops, generally. How many of you find that to be a deep revelation? <laughs> one person. <laughs> Thank you. I have one friend in the room. <laughs> and and I, went, I, I picked up this book, and this book basically listed how a particular movement in the earth at that time, this would be around about 93, was about to kill the church. It, the church was going to die because of this particular move. And then a few years later, there was something else, and everything was going to die and, and what I've noticed is we're not dead yet that's what I've noticed I've noticed that these heralds of woe don't seem to get much results there's one guy in a certain part of the world who published a book saying the world will end on October the 6th and then it didn't happen so he republished another book Correction, the world will end on October the 7th. And, and people still bought the book. I mean, at some point, you've got to kind of go, let's stop believing this garbage. Because God has already seen the end of the story, and we're already on the winning side. It's why I've stopped singing songs about God winning battles. I don't sing that anymore. Do you know why? Because he's already won them. I've stopped singing. I've stopped singing songs about God winning battles for me, and I've started probably violating copyright law by changing lyrics in songs. You've gone before me already. You've won the battle already. You've overcome already. The valley's already been passed. You've already gone into glory. You're already seated above all principalities and powers. Your name is already above every other name. Every problem I will ever face has already been solved through Jesus Christ. Every victory I will ever need has already been provided through Jesus Christ. Every healing, every deliverance, every need of wisdom, every door that needs to be opened, every problem that needs to be solved, every enemy that needs to be overcome, every sickness that needs to be defeated, every challenge that I ever face, Jesus Christ dealt every single one of them a death blow. The enemy is utterly, totally, completely, absolutely defeated. So I refuse to sing Mamby Pamby Powder Puff defeatist songs. Amen. <laughs> There's just, that was the introduction. There's just something, I don't know about you, but I, I, I feel like the, the Lord said to me, the pandemic sweeping through the United Kingdom in this season is a pandemic of the spirit of fear. 
And until the church rises up and says no, it will continue to proliferate. I don't know, but I, sometimes in those moments where I live in the prophetic stream of church and it's just intense. <laughs> it's just intense. Sometimes you wonder what on earth is going on. I did a broadcast a few weeks ago, a few days ago, and in the comments and the broadcast, it, I hope you're not here. If you are, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it came up in the broadcast, my whippet is sick. <laughs> you're just like, how is that relevant to the conversation? <laughs> Another one, one of the favourite, most epic statements that ever came on the broadcast was, a pelican ate my Bible. Another one, I opened my front door this morning and there was a frog on the step in front of my door. What does it mean? Probably nothing at all. <laughs> Probably the frog was taking a walk. But the thing of it is, in this, in this world, there's only two places. You've noticed prophecies either, it's awesome, or we're all going to die. You never get a prophet stand up and say, the Lord says to you today, this is going to be a normal meeting, nothing significant is going to happen. You can just relax and go home and enjoy yourself. It's never that way, is it? Because you live, but do you know what? As God's prophetic people in the earth, we need to learn to live in the tension of that. We need to learn to live in the tension of God is blowing up everything and there's absolute victory. And then there's a thick darkness is over the earth and darkness is over the sea and the enemy's up to stuff. And you've got to live in the middle of it in a place of peace. And that is easier said than done. And we need to learn how to live that. We've got a son who's an emerging prophet. And it would be definitely true to say life is either amazing or we're all going to die. And we need to learn to track. So have you ever watched... Those of you who, who watch shorts on Instagram videos, there's, there's a video of several of them. Somebody's sitting there with their dog, their pup, and the dog is eating a sausage roll or it's eating a cake. And they get a, a cuddly toy or similar, and they give the cuddly toy the food, and then they pretend that the cuddly toy drops dead. And the dog has got the sausage roll in its mouth and it just goes and drops it on the floor because it looks at the pot. I don't want to be like that. That's what's happened in the church. That's what's happened in the church. The trauma of the last season has caused us to be reluctant to engage with what God wants us to engage with. And there's been this kind of insidious thing that sneaked in and the problem with it is is you don't really know it the nature of a spiritual stronghold is such you don't kind of suddenly wake up and go I think I'll be addicted to drugs today that's not how it works it's progressive it's slow I, I used to be a butcher believe it or not I still am to some degree The problem is, is when I, or the good thing, when I was a butcher, the meat stayed where it was. 
the problem with the flesh in the church is it keeps getting up and walking off. But anyway, um, <laughs> you said they like jokes. Just look at the person next to you, see if they're smiling. If they're not, slap them and see if they forgive you. Please don't do that. <laughs> Never do that in a youth meeting, ever. So um, when, I, when, I, when I was working, the, you know, when you get a new knife, the, I used to work on a, on a line. And um, this part of the message is not vegetarian friendly. Um, sorry. Uh, and the ba- I, I, I was cutting the meat all day. And then I went to go and wash my hands at the end of the day. And um, I released several statements, none of which will ever find their way. I wasn't a Christian, but none of them will ever be in a worship song as I wash my hands. Because it's like, ow! As I was washing my hands. Because what had happened was the back of the knife, because it had just been machined, was razor sharp, the back of the knife, where it had been machined. And what happened is I'd put all these little tiny hairline cuts into my thumb. And the accumulation of all of these tiny little cuts actually ultimately resulted, by the time I got to the evening, my thumb had been nearly entirely immobilised because of all the cuts. But because it was so small, I didn't notice. That's what the spiritual stronghold's a bit like. I go fishing, hence the fish. Also not vegetarian friendly. I'm sorry, it's not my intention. I was walking by the side of the lake... A river, sorry, and you know those um, those weeds that have the little prickly seed pods. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I'm walking through the re- through the weed, and as I'm getting further, I don't know I'm doing it, but I'm starting to walk. <laughs> I probably wasn't walking like that. This is just for illustration's sake. Uh, but the reason why is because what had happened is I'd started picking up these spiky things in my jeans and subconsciously I could feel the pain so I'd started walking a bit funny and the accumulative effect of it started affecting me that's what a stronghold does what the enemy does is he he just kind of comes along and he just attaches just a bit that just causes you to just adjust your behaviour a little bit and then it'll wait. And then, again, it'll be something else. And there'll be something else. And you see, we would be deluded and deceived to think that we have just been through two years of something that is historic globally to think that as a people, we have gone through that process and not picked up any cuts on our thumb or any prickly balls on our legs. But the problem of it is, is because we are built to just keep moving forward, we're built, to, God's built that into us, hasn't he, as human beings. The problem is, is that what can happen is, is you can begin to adopt attitudes and things of survival and, and actually settle for a lower state of existence when it's not actually God's intention for your inheritance. Are you following me? John, actually, John, the Apostle John, said this. He said, Jesus stated in John 10, 10, I've come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. That's a promise, isn't it? 
Before that statement, he said, the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. That is not a promise. That is a warning. When Jesus made that statement, he wasn't saying to the apostles and to us, listen, I want you to be in a triumphant place of faith that the devil's going to kill you, steal your stuff and destroy your life. I want you to believe for that. That wasn't what he was saying. What he was saying is this. Listen, the thief would come to kill, steal and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. Choose. Choose which you're going to have. We're not meant to be martyrs of warfare. Now the truth of it is, is sometimes the enemy gets through the cracks. But that doesn't mean that we take spiritual warfare attack and sickness and loss as part of our inheritance. Because the Bible declares through Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Amen? Now the truth is sometimes things get through the cracks, sometimes things get past, but we're not meant to be in the place that we're like the dog that looks at that and goes, well if he's just died from that, I better not even touch it. Hello? And we need to not allow that to happen. And you see this dynamic of what happens when trauma begins to sneak in. Because whenever strongholds are created, they're always, did you hear what I said? Always preceded by some form of trauma. And that's what opens the door. The trauma causes us to be vulnerable. So it's important that we're trained and equipped to understand how to deal with it. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have... Everybody knows that verse. It's amazing. Everybody knows the verse says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But not so many people know the bit after. A desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And we tend to be as a society. I mean, even, well, we've got sun for two days, but it'll be winter next week. (laughs) Well, I actually ministered in a prison and we saw loads of people get saved. And the vicar said to us afterwards, he said, well, all these people got saved, but next week there'll be a riot. Because we just as a society, I know some of you are not English by, by heritage, but the, the, the English sort of psyche seems to enjoy. We celebrated somebody who lost the Winter Olympics. I mean, we'd have films. We would, if somebody made a film about some bloke that went to war, totally lost and was a total failure, English people would flood to it. What? That was a good film, wasn't it? We watch series on the TV about people's miserable lives. And they're entertained by it. There is a hospital that if you go there, if you go to this hospital and you're laying in bed and you say to your family member or spouse, I'm so looking forward to a holiday, you're dead. If you are a nice person, you're in bed, you're dead. If you're the most horrible person in the hospital, you will get to live. And English people sit for hours, for years, for decades to watch these series of despair and doom and gloom. (laughs) What is he so happy about? 
why are you smiling? <laughs> Said it in our conference last year in, in November. Somebody manifests the Holy Spirit and they go, oh, and the rest of the other people in the congregation go, that's the flesh. Look at that flesh. This is the flesh. This is not. <laughs> it's just bizarre. It's bizarre. So we need to recognize some of the stuff that's in the atmosphere at the moment and we need to bust it. Psalm 6 is probably not what a psalm. I mean, we could get the, our friend up to just get on the keyboard and we could start singing it. In death there is no memory of you. I'm weary from my groaning. <laughs> It'd probably be a hit in England. <laughs> My bed is covered in tears Yesterday <laughs> Oh my troubles seem so <laughs> Suddenly There's a shadow looming over me <laughs> Oh Jesus help us So this guy's not having a good day Really This should probably never be a worship song But he goes He goes be gracious. Let me read back a bit. This is Psalm 6. It says, Oh Lord, in your anger, don't rebuke me. In your wrath, don't discipline me. Be gracious to me, Lord, because I'm fading away. <laughs> See, because I've preceded it with what? If I'd have read this without the introduction, it'd all be like, mm. Now there's people laughing. <laughs> it's all about perspective. <laughs> in your wrath, do not. Discipline me, be gracious to me, O Lord, because I'm fading away. Heal me because my body's in distress. My soul is in deeply distressed. But you, Lord, how long must I wait? Return, Lord, save my life. Deliver me because of your gracious love. In death, there is, he's not having a good day, really, is he? In death, there is no memory of you. Who will give you thanks when they're dead? I... I saw a gravestone and it said, I told you I was sick. <laughs> when I die, I'm going to post a Facebook post to arrive after I'm dead. To come up in my Facebook feed that says, I can see my house from here. <laughs> I'm watching you. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> I'm weary from my groaning. My, every night my couch is drenched with my tears. My bed is soaked through. Now, in this next verse, what you see is the fruit and the consequence of trauma. Watch what he says. My eyesight has faded because of grief. It has dimmed because of all my enemies. My eyesight has faded because of grief. It has dimmed because of all my enemies. The, um, the word there, I, I mean, David's not saying, I've gone physically blind. That's not what he's talking about. Although we know, actually, that trauma absolutely opens the door for sickness. We know that, especially if you occupy a place 
that's the result of trauma and then take a heart attitude of unforgiveness. Because that unforgiveness locks you into that trauma. Which is why the enemy is working so hard to breed into our society right now a level of unforgiveness towards our government because he knows if he can establish that in the nation, he will lock the nation into trauma. The enemy wants us to occupy a position of blame. Do you see that? Because that locks you into the fruit of the trauma. That doesn't mean other people haven't done things wrong. When you forgive, it doesn't absolve them of their fault. It releases you from any bitterness that you would occupy. I was in a church in the United States. I'm with for time, okay. Um, and a uh, well-known speaker, he, 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 he looks, he said, um, somebody over this side of the room, he says, I feel like the Lord's saying that you've got a very bad neck, neck injury and it came about as a result of a car accident. Who is that? And this lady stands, and you know when somebody's got a bad neck, they're like, you ever had that when you're driving? <laughs> Trying to look around the corner. And she, you could see that she'd got a real problem. And, and he, the mic's taken over to her and said to her, what's the, um, what's the problem? And she said, well, I, I won't do an American accent because it would be awful. But she, she had quite a strong Texan accent. And she said, I was driving my car in the dark and a cow stepped in front of my car. I hit the cow and I got whiplash, damaged my neck. And I've had an injured neck ever since I hit the cow. And he said, how long ago was this? It was years ago. It was quite a long time ago. And the speaker says... Have you forgiven the cow? And I'm like, this guy's a lunatic. Have you forgiven the cow? And she goes, no, I've not forgiven the cow. (laughs) She was really quite angry with this cow. And he says, well, it's not about what the cow did. It's about the fact that your unforgiveness that has been birthed as a result of that trauma has locked you in a place that healing cannot get to you. So if you don't release forgiveness, you, can't, you won't get healed because that, that, that bitterness is acting as a wall. So he says, I want you to forgive the cow. And this is the absolute truth. No preacher's exaggeration. Not that preachers exaggerate, but... I know Jared, do, and uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> so, so she stands there in the meeting with her neck. Not that she could stand without her neck. There's a stay. Ever heard the speaker say that? Just stand up where you are. Have you ever thought about how do I stand up where I'm not? If you're here today, just think in your mind. One of my children said to me, Dad, what? He says, what is God saying? I said, I don't understand what you're asking me, sweetheart. He says, well, that speaker just said God would say. I want to know what he is saying. What is he actually saying? <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, in the, um, in the meeting, she, she stands there and, and they, you know, she's, and she goes, I forgive. And it was literally like this. I forgive the stupid Catholic. And her neck was healed. <laughs> Nobody prayed for her. And for the rest of the week, she was called the cow lady. (laughs) 
So you see, you see this physical manifestation that comes about as the result of trauma. And David says, my eye has become dull. That word there, eye, in Hebrew is the word ayin. It means eye, but it also means wellspring. It also means vision. It means physical vision, spiritual vision. It means wellspring because a wellspring is like an eye in the ground. It's the eye to access the water. So David says, my wellspring of life has dried up because of the oppression of my enemies, because of the grief and the difficulty of my enemies. So that word there, grief, does mean trauma, trouble, difficulty, means all of those things. Because of the trauma and difficulty, my well has dried up. My wellspring has dried up. My vision has dried up because of the trauma of my enemies. Listen to this. The word enemy means narrow place or place of squeezing or place of pressing or place of trouble. Did you hear that? So the grief of the season of squeezing has caused my vision to dry up. It's caused my hope to be lost. And when you occupy this position, what happens is, is your trauma becomes your prophecy. What is prophecy? What's prophetic revelation? Prophetic revelation is an anchor that gives you hope towards you to, for you to launch towards something. Amen? And it's your point of reference, isn't it? says, those who have no revelation, no prophetic revelation, cast off restraint. Without, where there is no revelation, the people perish. There's death. So you see, that revelation, that promise of God becomes the anchor that you lean on. That as you navigate your life and you face difficulty, you use that prophetic promise. You use that anchor to enable you to navigate through what you're facing. Are you hearing me? How do you know when trauma has become your prophecy? It becomes a point of reference that you talk about before this or after this or during this that you reference it constantly when you talk about your future experience. What has happened is that trauma has become an influence in your life that now is holding you tethered to that negative experience. Do you hear that? Have you ever been in that place that you go, why the heck, Lord, did you allow us to deal with that? You ever dealt with that? We had that in Leicester, and Jared knows. We we had a a season in Leicester where we went through the restoration of a building and the whole dynamic. And on the night that we dedicated the building, a dear friend, Prophet James Maloney, was there. And the last song... It's not funny. He, um, he stands there and the last thing he says, he says, as you move into 2009, do not be intimidated. This is the last thing he says from the pulpit on the night that we dedicate the building. Then the worship team come up and we sing, fire, fall down. It was called the upper room. There was a sign as you walked up the stairs, a banner that said, welcome to the upper room. Feel the fire. That night, somebody broke into the building and burnt it down. And the only thing that survived was the banner at the top of the stairs. And Mickey Mouse. 
I'll explain that in a minute. And this, I mean, well, I don't know what the firemen must have thought. They walk up the stairs and there's like, welcome to the upper room, feel the fire. The building was burned down. But what happened was this, is the trauma of that storm so shook us that the promises that we'd received became overshadowed by this trauma of negative experience. To the point that that trauma, that storm, that difficulty caused us now to begin to lose sight of what God had said. And suddenly everything God had said before the storm, which he knew was coming, was now no longer valid. And now we were held captive by the trauma of the storm. And we began to use language like before the fire, after the fire. And I was reading through the scriptures and I read this verse and I, I literally, there was a newspaper um, headline and on the, <laughs> on the front page of the newspaper it had a photograph of me and they photographed me crossing the road because I wouldn't not smile and they wanted a miserable photograph because our building had burnt down. And I was actually quite happy at that point because we did 24 hour prayer in there and there was nobody in the building when it burnt down. So I was grateful actually. And what they did is they waited till I was crossing the road like that took the photograph and put a headline, Pastor Simon Breaker burnt out. That was the headline. And that was absolutely what happened. I was utterly burnt out by the trauma. To the point that by the beginning of 2010, the trauma had so infested my body physically that when I'd finished preaching I walked like this because I actually had a back injury and I'd walk like this I was immobilized because of the trauma and this is what happens loss storm trauma if it remains unaddressed it will steal your vision it will steal your wellspring and it will immobilize your call And as God's people in the earth, in the United Kingdom, and let me say in the globe, we need to be a people that carry hope in the midst of it. We need to not be David in Psalm 6. Turn to Psalm 23. So you have this dynamic, and actually in the midst of that, season of of, of storm, that was when the Lord actually said to me at the beginning of 2010, he said, Simon, John 10.10 for 2010. And I read it and he said that exactly what I've already said to you. He said, Simon, you've believed the first half of the verse was a promise when it was actually a warning. And I want you to take authority and I want you to begin to decree that everything in your life that does not reflect the fullness of life is subject to change. And I want you to begin to decree it shifts. So you can't decree shift whilst you're in a place that your wellspring is dry. You must come to a place where you find hope again. 
And hope is not a subject. Hope is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is utterly unchangeable, utterly unbeatable, utterly unstoppable, utterly unovercomable, utterly, utterly limitless, utterly for you, utterly with you, utterly has gone ahead of you, utterly has solved every problem. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the supreme God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lion of Judah, the Good Shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the victorious one, the Lamb upon the throne, the Lamb that was slain that rose again. He overcome the devil. He overcome the grave. He overcome every sickness, every disease, every problem you will ever face. He has never been intimidated. He never will be intimidated. He will never be stopped. He will never be overcome. He will never be beaten. He never, ever, ever is shocked. Never is shocked. He's never surprised, never disillusioned, never disappointed because he sees the beginning from the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he has won the victory. He's not won some victories and not the others. You're not so special. That he looked at your life and went, well, you're just so pathetic, I'm going to leave you in defeat. He's not made an exception for you. He's not decided to override his word where it says the Lord is the same yesterday, today and forever, except for you. Because when he comes to you, he's not the healer anymore. You're just going to stay sick, depressed and defeated. I am the Lord who's not with you. I am the God who will not meet all of your needs according to my riches in glory. I take you from defeat to defeat. I've anointed you with the oil of utter depression. You are seated below me, under the earth, deeper than the grave. Surely I'm not with you. Fear, for the devil has all authority over you. You're just that special. Every curse that's ever been given will definitely land on you. The enemy will flee in seven and come back in 100 directions and beat the absolute snot out of you. This is not your promise. It's not your inheritance. It's not who you are. So stop living under the media storm that the enemy releases that says you're just going to go down and down and down. My Bible says you're being taken from glory to glory, from victory to victory, from Barabasantoba. And he comes, the devil comes, and he wants to just silence you. He wants to close down the creative elements because he knows, he knows how the world works. So he comes along and he says, well, don't say it is well. Don't speak out. That's irrational. It's irrational to say you're going to get healed. You have no evidence to prove it. So he 
goes and takes people into the place of reason and into the place of humanism and into the place of rational. But we're called to be those who speak things and not that as though they are. We're called to be those that speak into the darkness and say, let light be. Let me tell you something. This is going to wreck a song. God is not going to fight the battle for you. He's not. I'll tell you why. He's already done it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus won every single battle. Every single one. Every battle. And this is what Jesus did. He said, right, come here. Have a helmet. Have a breastplate. Have a shield. Have a sword. Have my power. Have my authority. Receive my Holy Spirit. Go in my name and trample upon lions and cobras. Wrestle against principalities and powers. Be the church that demonstrates the wisdom of God to rulers and principalities. We are the warriors in the earth. I said we are the warriors in the earth. We are the warriors in the earth. There is a fighter inside of you. There is a lion inside of you. There is a warrior inside of you. There is one who takes nations inside of you. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's clothed himself in you. And he said, where you go, I go. Listen, every miracle and every sign and wonder Jesus ever did was before the cross. It was just the first fruits. The first fruits is never the mother load. And then Jesus, he meets John the Baptist and John the Baptist says, he must become greater. I must become less. And John the Baptist took the baton and he placed it into Jesus' hand and Jesus took the baton and he took it to the cross and then he turned to you and he turned to me and he took the baton and he said, you shall do the same things I have done and even greater things. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. The way that God's kingdom expands is for his church. The way that God's victory is extended is for his church. The way that the devil is overthrown is for his church. The way that sickness is defeated is for his church. And you're his church. You're his church on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday. You're in church when there's a worship team. You're in church when there's not a worship team. You're carrying the anointing when everybody's singing, Hallelujah. And you're carrying the anointing when they're not. God has made his home inside of you. You are the devil's worst nightmare. There needs to be a militancy that rises up in the church. Oh, I'm a quiet Christian. Come here, sit here. I will go 
to Sainsbury's and buy a saw. And I will cut off your leg. And we will see whether you are a quiet Christian. Because you're only quiet about the things you don't take ownership of. Think about it. I mean, if you, won't, if you go home today, you get in your car, you drive home, there's a van outside and there's a group of guys and all ladies, all your best, I don't know if all ladies like handbags. My wife has a handbag addiction. So how many bags do you need? She even has a bag for her bag. So there's a bag to put the bag in. And then there's a little bag that goes in the bag that goes in that bag. And they all... <laughs> never mind. And, <laughs> and, and imagine you get there and these guys are helping themselves to all your bags. They're all going. Your power tools, men, have all gone. That jigsaw you've believed God for for years, it's gone. The soldering iron you've got no use for, but you have it. It's gone. Kids, the Xbox, that's gone. And the mobile phones, they've gone. And you just stand at the door as they load all your stuff into the back of the car and you go, well, I'm just a quiet Christian. But that's what the devil's been doing to the church for years. Doesn't there need to be somebody that stands up and goes, enough! Doesn't there need to be some Davids? Doesn't there need to be some Gideons? Doesn't there need to be some warriors that rise up that have been in the wine pit and they've been hiding because of the storm and the, what the Amorites have been doing and they just get out and go, actually, enough. I know what my fathers did. I know what their grandfathers did. David stands there and says, listen, I've seen the bear die. I've seen the lion die. You're just another one that's going to die. And Goliath turns around and says, I'm going to kill you. And David turns around and says, I'm going to kill you and the rest of you as well. Or have you been contained? If I can just survive. That's why there's so many depressed Christians. Because you were never created to survive. You were created to cause trouble. You were created to offend religious spirits. You were created to offend the demonic realm. I put a prophetic word on Facebook a few weeks ago. That I'd been holding for about six months. I put it on Facebook and within about two hours, about 900 occult people filled my Facebook feed with all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff. And I turned to my wife and went, yes, that's worked. I'm on a list of false prophets. It makes me chuckle because it's got this list. Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, Simon Breaker. <laughs> The butcher from Leicester. <laughs> Winston Churchill said, so there's those that oppose you. Good. It means you've stood for something. If I was in Nigeria now, one of my brothers would have run up to me with a towel. <laughs> Psalm 23. Watch this. Do you remember Psalm 6? 
my eye has begun become dim because of the oppression of my narrow places. Do you remember that? What's this verse preceded with? Yea, though I walk through the valley. What's a valley? It's a narrow place. Your rod and your staff is with me. Now watch what happens. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That word there, enemies, is exactly the same Hebrew word that's used in Psalm 6 where it says, my eye has become dim because of the oppression of my enemies. It's the same word. In Psalm 6, my vision has dried up because of the oppression of my enemies. Psalm 23, you set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Psalm 6, his vision's being lost. Psalm 23, he's having a banquet. The previous verse, when it's a word, when it says, you set a table, the root meaning of the word table, this is just so cool, I love this, means to create a weapon. Listen to this. You weaponize me in the presence of my narrow places. You didn't hear me. That thing that the enemy sent to destroy you, God takes it, tempers you, weaponizes you, and uses you to extend his kingdom. I mean, if that doesn't make you happy, what makes, I mean, Paul said this, we comfort others with the comfort we've received. We strengthen others with the strength that we've received. See, see, that situation you've gone through, that challenge that you've gone through, if you go through it with God, God will take the very thing that the enemy intended to kill you and he will weaponize you and he'll send you into the world and use you to set the captives free. So that thing which you thought you were never going to get through, that thing you thought you were never going to break, that habit you thought was never going to be overcome those finances you thought were never going to be met that sickness that was never going to be overcome if you'll do it in the presence of God God will weaponize it he'll turn it into a testimony and he'll destroy the powers of darkness with it get excited about it that means every single time the devil throws something at you God takes it weaponizes it, puts it in your hand and says, the very sword that the enemy was going to kill you with, go over to Goliath and take his head off with it. If I was in an Anglican church, Jesus would be behind me. (laughs) Some are like, what? So God right now is going to take you and he's going to invite you to step out of every form of trauma you've ever been in. I actually, as I was praying this morning, I prophets are renowned for saying, it's a new season. Sometimes it does my head in. But the truth of it is, here we are at the end of the month, about to step into a new month. And I believe that for many of you, it's a stepping over point. 
Because some of you, your vision's been dried up. Your hope's been dried up. Your trauma has become your prophecy. You've allowed that storm to define you and to create in you a perpetual expectation that the same thing's going to keep on repeating itself. And in a second, could you get on the keyboard for me, buddy? In a second, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And how does Psalm 23 start? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That word there, restore, literally means this. He brings me back to my place of residence. Did you hear what I said? He brings me back to my place of residence. And what trauma does is it makes you move house. And it makes you move into the house that's called the house of doom, the house of depression, the house of poverty, the house of sickness, and the list goes on. It causes you to move house. But when God brings you and restores you to your place of residence, what we're told is um, John 15, we're told, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. Where is our place of residence? Jesus. Jesus is our house. Close your eyes for a moment. Think about this. Can you think of any moment that Jesus is in defeat? If you can, you've not been reading your Bible. (laughs) Is there any moment that Jesus is in a place of hopelessness? Any time he's in a place of despair? Any time he's in a place of confusion? Is there ever a time that Jesus doesn't know what to do? Is Jesus ever defeated, ever intimidated? Is Jesus ever overcome? Of course, the answer to all of those questions is no. That is your house. That is where you are called to abide. So as you begin to abide in Him, what the Lord wants is for that utter victory utter hope, utter joy, utter freedom, utter life. He wants it to begin to stream through your mindset, through your body, through your family, through your life, so that you can truly say, as it is in heaven, so it is on earth, that the church is the fullness of Him. The church is the fullness of Him. The church is is the fullness of him and if you are a believer if you are born again you are as much the church now as you will ever be and you are as much the fullness of him as you will ever be that is a theological fact that Jesus Christ has utterly possessed you that doesn't mean that the enemy never gets away with some rubbish But the rubbish doesn't change the nature of Christ. 
So in a second, I'm going to say stand up. And when you stand up, I want you to just think for a minute, is there any areas of trauma that you've aligned with? Well, of course I'm fearful. It's because of... Well, my mom went through a divorce, so probably I will. I was abused, so that means that's what I'm going to be like. The good news is this. God does not take broken pots and fix them. God gives you a totally new pot. We are a new species, recreated in Christ. He's not taking a dented kettle and knocking the dents out, but he's taking that life that was, and you give it to him, and he then gives you his indestructible life. You're not the product of your past. You're the product of his victory. As he is, so are we in this world. You are Utterly victorious, utterly free, utterly filled with joy, utterly loved, utterly accepted, utterly. So right now, just think, is there any area of trauma? And if you can't think of any, just stand up anyway. And just stand up into the goodness of the Lord at a fresh level. Are you ready? We've all had this rubbish over the last two years. It's been rough. It's been rough. My highlight was walking around the co-op to find a guy with a pair of underpants on his head as a mask. That was something I wasn't expected to see. It's like a pair of wide fronts. Because I won't get the coronavirus if I have underpants on my head. <laughs> Father, we stand up into victory. And as your church, we declare we do not have the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. In Jesus' name, go on, stand up right now. Stand up. Stand up. Put your hand on your heart. Father, as each one has declared their breaking alignment with the spirit of trauma, I speak to it now. Just take it just a little bit quieter for me, mate. Right now. Spirit of trauma. I command you to go. I'm not going to pick you out. But there's a, there's a lady in the room and you lost a baby. And it really shook you up and broke you. And you went through a whole process of it was my fault. If I'd have done this or I'd have done that or I'd have done the other. The truth of it is there's always mystery and we're always not going to know the answers to some things. But the Lord right now wants to take blame off of you. And he says to you, my daughter... Forgive yourself now. For your heart has been aching. But I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. There's somebody else you get pain in your right shoulder. It was from a, an injury. 
the Lord's wanting to heal that right now. Several people have lost hope. And you've come to this place where you've gone, I'll just believe for a little bit less. And maybe then it'll be okay. But the Lord's saying to you right now, I am going to give you the ability to dream again. So right now, receive a fresh infilling from the Holy Spirit right now. Just every one of you, just, just receive right now. We comfort others with the comfort we've received. I pray, Father God, even as you healed my back and straightened my spine, right now I ask you to come into each one right now. Bring restoration of hope and joy. Just receive it right now. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Just breathe him in right now. And I speak to any foul spirit that has attached itself to you. Your legal right to be here is gone. And you must leave now. You go now. In Jesus' name, the Spirit of the Lord liberates you. Somebody gets really bad migraines, migraines across the front of your face. That's going right now. There he is. Just breathe him in. There he is. Thank you, Jesus. Just ask for more. Just ask him to fill. You've got a problem with your right knee. Just thank him for healing in your right knee right now. There's a young person who gets really severe nightmares. And you've had figures manifest in your bedroom. And that season breaks in Jesus' name. I break night terrors off of your life in Jesus name just keep receiving from the Lord don't look at me just receive from him I've stopped the piano because so often what can happen is we can sometimes we can get fixed on the music and disengage from the Lord so I just want to just take a moment to just be with him just for a moment we're going to stop in about two minutes so just decide you're not going to miss what the Lord has for you just receive it now. Thank you, Lord. There's a right ear that's had pain that's being healed right now. Just breathe him in. 
Just thank him for freedom. Thank you, my Jesus. Thank you, my Jesus. Every form of trauma breaks. New perspective comes. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Say it out loud. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. One more time. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now receive that in Jesus' name and turn to the person next to you. Look at them square in the eye and say, I have it and so do you.